1: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, Jay Spence the King. I am here with Mr. Bruce Nolan, the Mr. Exclusive himself, and we are filling in from my man, Joe, my bestie, Joe Miller, for the Overreaction Podcast. So tonight we're gonna be we're gonna be bringing you the chop up special edition of the Overreaction Pod. This will be released as well and pod form on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. How is it going today, Bruce? Happy Easter to you, man.
0: Happy Easter to you, man. It's a party all the time. Disco balls, yeah. dancers, the whole thing, man.
1: <laughs> Let's do it, man. So, uh, <laughs> have you enjoyed your Easter? How, how was dinner?
0: Dinner was good. We did a uh we did a, some sort of pork concoction that my wife uh hmm. got rolling in the Instant Pot, and we love our Instant Pot. I don't know if you're an Instant Pot guy, but man, we love our Instant Pot. And uh we got that going. We had some scalloped potatoes, salad, some uh some yeast rolls some you know good hearty old-fashioned uh kind of family style food and it it was a good time you know we sat down uh drank some water you know just a pretty plain (laughs) boring
1: (laughs) drink some water (laughs) drink some water (laughs) listen man i I don't know how this is going to work because um you know i'm starting my cooking show in september i made the announcement yesterday Mm. you you're a pretty darn good cook man i see your instagram posts often how am i gonna i have to get you as a, a guest cook but i don't know how we're gonna do this and i'm not uh, i'm not fbi tonight i promise i'm not being an I, FBI.
0: I, I don't know man i'm gonna have to get like a i think i'm gonna have to get like a bodysuit of some sort or like a costume like the mandalorian costume and <laughs> spray yeah. <laughs> paint it like red and blue or something like that maybe get like the jason mask you know yeah. from from the friday the 13th movies and try and spray that on there. I don't know. I'd I'll, I'll do something. Yeah. I don't know. We we'll got to figure something
1: out, man, because you are an impeccable cook. And, and same thing with Joe. I don't think a lot of people know this, but Joe cooks, you know, he cooks very well. So uh, his wife does as well. We got to We got to, you know, I'm just trying to get Bill's fans to be able to eat healthy before the game or during the game, uh, healthy <laughs> desserts and all that stuff. I know I posted one today and then we can move on. We can get into the, the topics for the evening, but I, I posted a, a cake. I will also be doing baking on the show as well. So, so, yeah, we're going to get it, man. We're going to get it.
0: I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it.
1: Let's do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're going to get into this. We were um, interacting earlier, and, and Bruce and I had a, a DM conversation where someone – I forget who it was. I believe it was PFF um, – tweeted out the their rankings, or I believe they asked what the ranking or where you would rank wide receivers, the top four guys. Um, the guys listed was Tyreek Hill, was Stephon Diggs, um, Adams and our guy that nobody in Buffalo seems to like anymore because he caught the Hail Mary pass, uh, Mr. Hopkins. So Bruce seems to think, well, I'll let you tell people what you think, Bruce, where would you, if you're going to put that list in order, um, one, two, three, and four, where are you putting everybody?
0: So of those four, I said Adams Diggs, Hopkins Hill. That's the way that I put them in. I put Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill in that order. It appears that you and I have vastly different orders, and we're going to talk about that, I think, a little bit. Where does we Stephon do. Diggs fall in the where's, – where does he fall for you?
1: Uh, Stephon Diggs is number three for me. So I actually have uh, Hopkins one, I have Adams two, Diggs at three, and then uh, Hill at four. So and the reason why I have that, so I just think the skill set of each guy is different. The reason why I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league, I think um first I just think he has the, the most short hands, period. I know everybody used to love OBJ with the one-handed catch, and now everybody's doing the one-handed catches with these gloves and all this stuff. But he's he's just a sure, he's a he's a short sure catch. He's pro- he's probably impossible to cover. And he absolutely did. The same thing that Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen, he did the same thing out in Arizona, you know, out in Phoenix for Kyler Murray. He absolutely elevated his game. Um, So I guess you can make the same argument for Diggs. I just think that Hopkins, man, all the things that I've seen him do consistently year in, year out in this league, Diggs had an amazing year this year. He had a couple other seasons that was on par with what Hopkins, you know, has done, but his entire career to this point hasn't been what Hopkins career has been. And Hopkins really until Watson got there. He also, he didn't have good receivers then. I mean, good quarterbacks. Then he was, he was putting up numbers with guys who probably couldn't throw as good as me.
0: Well, that's a strong statement. It
1: is. And I probably shouldn't say that. That's
0: a, that's a real strong statement.
1: It is. I probably Um, shouldn't say it. I'm just, and I think it's
0: a, I think it's a significant point in the favor of Deandre Hopkins. So here's what I did. So when, When you have wide receivers or you have quarterbacks, you have running backs, and the skill sets are so close to being good together, like, they're very different stylistically, but we can all agree they're all great. Like, we can all agree with that. You're not trying to differentiate between good and great. This is great and greater at this point. So how do you do that? Like, how do you sit down and how do you draw a distinction between great and greater? So here's what I did, okay? Here's how I got there. The way that I got here is I said, okay, the first thing, how do we start ruling people out? So what I did was I went through the traits that I think are important for a wide receiver. And I started going down until I found one who was an outlier in order. So once I found one that was an outlier, I pushed that person aside. And the first thing I found was Tyreek Hill and drops. Tyreek Hill is an outlier when it comes to the remaining three, when it comes to drops, he's at 35 drops. In the last five years, that's the average seven per year, which is markedly higher than anybody else on the list. So his drop grade consistently ranks beneath the other three. So, OK, if I need to find a reason to separate one out, I found it. And it was Tyree Hill and his hands, which are still good. They're just not on the same level as the other three. So then I say, OK, we, we separate Tyree Kill out. Great. Now we have, we're down to three now. Mm-hmm. So. When you're down to three, now how do I separate two from the other one? And the way I do this is through versatility. So if you look at the slot percentage usage for DeAndre Hopkins versus Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins is almost purely an outside receiver. That is what he is. So you're not, you don't get a chance to move him all over the formation and pick and choose where you want to put him because He is almost exclusively an outside receiver. 10% or less of his snaps take place in the slot every single year. So almost exclusively an outside receiver. So that was allowing me to put Adams and Diggs, who were both in the 30-ish percentage range when it comes to slot usage. I put those two by themselves. I go, okay, I've done it. I, I kind of siphoned off Tyreek Hill now. Then I siphoned off. DeAndre Hopkins, the first one with drops, the second one with versatility. Now I go, okay, I got two more. I got two left. Now I need to find something else that I can do to separate Adams from Diggs. And the answer is longevity. Devontae Adams has done it at a higher level for longer than Stefan Diggs Mm -hmm. has done it. So that's how I came up with Adams, Diggs, Hopkins, Hill, in that order. I literally went through the traits that I look at when I'm trying to like grade a receiver coming out of college. And say, okay, we, these are the ones I think are important to me. And I went down until I found one that allowed me to carve one off. Because let's be honest, it's, it's great and greater here. That's what you're doing. It's great and greater. It's not good and great. It's not bad and good. It, you're, you're splitting hairs. And you have to find a method and a methodology to split the hairs. Which is what I did. And that's how I ended up with Adams, Diggs, Devonta, uh, sorry, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Tyreek Hill at four. And I'll level with you. I think there's probably people between Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hawkins. I don't think Tyreek Kill's the fourth best receiver in the league.
1: I would agree with you there. I, I think that was the list that was provided. So we kind of just, you know, went with the four names, but I agree. I wouldn't put, now I do think that he has scary good qualities and traits for a receiver. So, you know, there's obviously, he's obviously one of those, he's one of the most dangerous guys in the league at his position, but it still to me, wouldn't. I don't think that statement still qualifies him to be a top four guy. If that, if that makes sense, the way I said it there, I think Absolutely. that, um, you know, I think he's, for instance, we saw it in the AFC championship game. He's, he's so dynamic. You can't, you just can't cover him. You, you know, they tried to bracket him. They tried, they, they try to do everything. And this guy is just so quick. That's his thing. However, the drops that you spoke about. Yes. I'm with you there. Um, it, it's one of those things where I look at him and I can name, I will probably put, another two or three guys above him before I put him on that list?
0: How that many, how many would you
1: have prior? Okay, so you have... That seems fair to
0: me. I'm, I'm trying to think, like I'm thinking through in my head some of the top wide receivers. You You, you mentioned it on Twitter today that Antonio Brown was in that conversation for a long time. Antonio Correct. Brown was on track to be one of the greatest receivers ever. And he's still going to be a Hall of Famer, probably. And so when you have... A player like that and they fall out of favor so fast, you know, you know, four years ago, Antonio Brown was the best receiver in the league. And now he's like gone right now. He's playing. He's playing third fiddle in Tampa Bay. And they're still apparently far apart on negotiations. And you look at things like that and you think to yourself, all of a sudden there's this vacuum. There's a vacuum in the top five and somebody has to step up and fill it. You know, and you think to yourself. Yeah. Well, h- how much do we care about sample size? Because Justin Jefferson was really, really good last year. Adam Thielen's been consistent for forever. Michael Thomas had a down year because of injury. Do we all of a sudden forget about him? You know, Odell Beckham's been banged up, and you know he's been in he's been in Cleveland, and he hasn't really gotten on the same page with Baker Mayfield and that offense. Where do you put Od- Odell Beckham? You know, are we going based on talent, or are you going based on production? You know, where's Keenan Allen going? All this Keenan Allen consistently gets underappreciated.
1: Seems Keenan, to me Keenan Allen, Allen is five.
0: Yes. I I I love it with I I I I think you might be right. Keenan Allen is the next Pokemon evolution of Stevie Johnson. Mm-hmm. That's what it's, he is.
1: He is incredible.
0: If you go Stevie Johnson and then Stevie Johnson er and then the final evolution is Stevie Johnson est, <laughs> right? That's Keenan <laughs> Allen. Right? He's the fully evolved version of Stevie Johnson, yep. and I, he consistently, consistently produces. And everyone, all he had Philip Rivers. You know, Phil Rivers didn't have much of an arm there at the end. And when a rookie quarterback came in, you could say, well, Herbert was a revelation. Was Herbert a revelation or did Keenan Allen help him become a revelation? Because Herbert had some weapons there. So, you know, the Chargers made very, very, very clear to the rest of the league that they wanted to make sure they kept those things intact because they went out and got Jared Cook to replace Hunter Henry. Because they were like, listen, we need to keep things talented around Justin Herbert. And then they spent... Assets on their offensive line, which I would argue probably one of the smartest things that anybody did this offseason was the Chargers investing in their offensive line. But Keenan Allen is kind of the engine that makes that go, and consistently underappreciated. I think it's probably a Pacific Coast thing because he plays at four twenty five, and people aren't watching him as much. There's all that kind of Pacific Coast, oh lull, I guess is the word you want to look at, and they just don't get as much shine as they probably should. And it, yeah, Keenan Allen's fantastic.
1: He is. I've seen him, to your point, consistently just deliver every week, week in and week out. If the ball is coming in his direction and he gets his hands on it, it's a catch. And and I guarantee you, when Herbert is in trouble, he's going that direction and it's going to be a completion or a first down almost every single time. The guy is awesome. So I do think I felt that PFF actually showed a little disrespect to him by not having him. Um, a part of that list I would put him over Tyreek obviously we just said that so you know you got Tyreek Hill in there no that uh, give me Allen give me Michael Thomas like you said um, there's there and there's others in the league actually so I don't even know if I would put Tyreek like that there's there's other guys um, that I think are better and I, I think it right now it's gonna I probably lose some Bills fans <laughs> when I'm gonna say this but I think it's one of the things the bills are actually going to go into this next year now on the same thing that the Kansas city chiefs have kind of been on the talent on the roster is so deep. They have so many great receivers. They have so many, um, you know, it's just weapons everywhere on the field and the bills are going through the same thing now. And yeah, Stefan Diggs is that beast. And he's our number one option. He's going to be our number one option. I'm hoping that he gets 2000 yards next year. That's what I'm hoping for. But Stefan Diggs Right now has a team to where he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be what Hop was on those Texans teams. He doesn't have to be that, which is not. It's a good problem to have, and that doesn't drop him down on the list. The reason why I put Diggs at three is just to, to your point earlier. I think that I think that Diggs has done everything that Hop has done, but I just think Hop is just on a whole. It's just and it's splitting hairs until for me until you get to Hop Hopkins just does everything better man and, and and i know what your list was and i know why you you know your criteria i just i don't know man i agree with you on literally 99.999 percent of the stuff you say this is the only thing that i would be like but bruce that's the only thing
0: i, I get it and it's it's appeal to emotion because i hear you say i hear you say things like he's just that dude man he's just he it, to me to he me is. it feels like when you watch deandre hopkins you're in awe
1: I is am, that a fair I statement am it is. It, DeAndre Hopkins to me is the guy that when I, so when I build a perfect wide receiver, I would build him with maybe four more inches to his height, three more inches to his height. Um I see in the comments, people are talking about Julio Jones, same, same type of guy. I didn't mention Julio because um as of late and, and just the availability thing. So that's the reason why I didn't include him there, but a healthy Julio, like I said, in that tweet earlier, a healthy Julio to me, He's been the best receiver in the league since Megatron, so I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't want to forget him as well.
0: We need to have a conversation about Allen Robinson before we move on. Okay. Um, Allen Robinson deserves a spot in the top eight, top seven, strictly because of what he's had to go through with quarterbacks. We talked about when we were trying to cut hairs, you know, split hairs between the top receivers and how people have performed with lesser quarterbacks. And even, you know, even before, you know, Deshaun Watson was there, DeAndre Hopkins was still putting up numbers and things like that. Allen Robinson has never had a good quarterback ever, ever. And all he does, all he does is produce numbers, with yeah. terrible, terrible quarterback play and basically no help. I think Alan Hearns was the best complimentary wide receiver that Alan Robinson ever played with. That's how that's so no help and no quarterback. I think there's a reasonable chance. If you wanted to come to me, this is how strongly I feel about Allen Robinson. If you wanted to come to me and tell me that Allen Robinson was actually the best receiver in the league and we just couldn't tell, I wouldn't argue with you
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the gap between his quarterback and supporting cast and everybody else we're talking about is so monumentally large. It's almost impossible to measure him. Mm -hmm. because we know he's really good but is he transcendent if he gets a good quarterback
1: it's just that absurd it's fair because because you're right when you look at the quarterback situation down there he just has not had there hasn't been anything good for quite some time so so you're right no absolutely we'll see we'll see what happens I, I know Andy Dalton isn't um Josh Allen you know, uh, and it feels good to be able to compare other guys to my guy. Um, but I do think Andy Dalton is—he's a very serviceable quarterback. I think Buffalo Bills fans will remember um, when he was in Cincinnati; he almost beat us. Uh, the not this past season, but the season before, um, on a comeback, comeback victory here, here actually in Orchard Park, they almost come came back to beat us. So Dalton's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's not going to change the franchise like for the long term, but. He's a guy that can get the ball to receivers. And you're right. You got you got Robinson there, man. You got somebody that can get him the ball. Let's see what he can do.
0: Is Andy Dalton the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with? If he plays. Because I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's an absolute lock that Allen Robinson actually plays for the Bears. He talked yeah. he talked to Tyler Dunn before this free agency and he's like, man, if they franchise me and we don't want to talk about a long term deal, I might have to force my way out of here. So oh, he might actually play for the Bears. Because wow. yo, know, Tyler Dunn flat asked him, hey, are you gonna have to go the route of you know Stefan Diggs and some of these other people and force your way out? He said, Maybe. Maybe, maybe I might have to wow. do that. We'll see. So wow. I'm not saying it's a guarantee lock that he's actually gonna play for the Bears, but if he does, is Andy Dalton the best quarterback that he's ever played with?
1: Absolutely. At least, you know, who did he play with in college? I mean, that's the question. But uh, at this point, yeah, I would in the NFL. Absolutely, Andy Dalton will be the best quarterback that he's had on that team. I know. I know. At some point, Bears fans wanted to think that um, Nick Foles could come in and do it. I know that. You know, just just looking back years, I don't understand how teams will have such deep rosters and have the ability to go out and sign whatever free agent you want, and they don't even try. Like this year, they tried and just missed. There, you know, there was a lot of movement, but. In years past, they were more focused on, it was almost like the Rex Ryan mentality. They were way more focused on trying to solidify that defense, which is good. You need a defense. I'm not at all saying that, but I do think that the most important position that we all always talk about is quarterback. You have good receivers there. At at one point, they had a great running game out there. I'm not as familiar anymore, so I can't speak to it, but they still have weapons. They have a great defense. Get a quarterback that won't lose the game for you. And Andy Dalton, I think, can do more than not lose the game for you. He can actually win some as well. He's not going to win everyone, but he can win some.
0: Spin 0481 in the comments says, Bears should have gone after Jameis Winston. I actually agree with you. Absolutely I agree with you. The Bears should have gone after. It. Now, I, don't, I question whether or not Winston would want to go elsewhere unless mm-hmm. the Saints offer was just really, really, really bad because he spent the year learning behind Drew Brees, and learning the Sean Payton system and understanding that Payton is someone who can maximize a quarterback's talents. And I think that he did it with the idea that he was going to get a swing at the post drew Brees era in new Orleans. So unless the saints just absolutely lowballed the crap out of him, I think he was probably going to stay, but if I'm the bears, I'm going to call and check in. Now we don't know that they didn't. And that's really important. We don't know that they didn't call and check in, but if you look at what, Jameis Winston got paid. You're like, okay, it's like one year at single digits with like mm-hmm. 12 million max in incentives. You're like, okay, the bears, you couldn't beat that. You just right. finished and paying the Nick Foles a bajillion dollars and you flipped a fourth round pick for him. Really? Yep. You flipped a fourth the round pick for that terrible contract. And now you can't put anything up for Jameis Winston. Really?
1: And I'm gonna tell you what, I know people make fun and crack the jokes about the 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns. Listen, you give me James Winston <laughs> with that type of, with that type of receiver. You're talking about, come on, man. All he wants to do is get the ball down the field. So you got a guy like Robinson, man, that thing could, you could, you could open up an offense in Chicago. That would just be amazing to watch. Put them right back on the map with a James Winston. Now, I get it. He has some, he has some things to work through. He had turnovers were absolutely an issue with him. But to your point, learning under the coach that he just sat under for a year, learning under one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Actually, I think he is the, the all-time leader still in what yards and touchdowns or something like that, or is Tom too close to Tom take it back or whatever. They keep flip-flopping. Um, but it's it's one of those things. It's like you just learn from that system. I do not believe that we're going to see the same James Winston this season if he plays that we saw two years ago.
0: I would agree with you. I, I think that, you know, the jokes come around the LASIK and the squinting and things like that. But you know, Jameis Winston is not lacking talent. People will joke yeah. about the 30 interceptions, but I don't know if you actually came back and watched them. But Jameis Winston can make special throws. Yes. He, he just makes specially bad decisions sometimes. And it's not it's not that the ball didn't go where he intended it to go. It's that he made a bad call. And that's a different type of bad throw. So Nathan Peterman. Is not capable of making throws outside the numbers. He right. doesn't have the hose to be able to get the ball outside the numbers. There's simply throws he simply can't make. Jameis Winston makes bad decisions, not necessarily bad throws, and there's those 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 are different things. And that's one of the reasons why when you have a talent like that, you think eh, maybe I can work with him a little bit. You know, maybe I can work with him a little bit. The, the Buccaneers weren't exactly a a shining beacon of awesomeness when he showed up, and then. You know, Bruce Arian showed up for one year, and he was 30-30 and 30 that year. And Bruce Arians' offense is known for being a seven-step drop under center, you know, chuck it and pray, you know, yep. <laughs> in a chuck and duck sort of offense. It's, it's known for that. And Jameis Winston kind of played into that.
1: And, and you know what? That's another thing that I don't get. Lorenzo Alexander was on the code of conduct over the summer and last year. And one of the things that he said to me was he he really gets bothered at times when you see analysts or you see like us content creators saying that players were doing the wrong or not doing as they were told. He said because there's a lot of times that people have said that he's been out of position where it was his actual assignment, like it's what the coaching staff has told him to do. So yeah, he'll he might not make a tackle because he's out of position for that particular tackle, but he's in position for what the coaching staff actually wants done. And again, with Jameis, to what to your point, that offense that they were running down there, they do like to just go ahead and get it out there, I man. Get that ball down the field. Let's throw it, man. Let's let's take our shots. That was the philosophy of the team. I think in a in a More safe offense. I I really do. I think Jameis, man, I'm excited to see Jameis get another shot.
0: Me too. You are listening to the Chop Up with Jay Spence, the King, and Bruce Nolan on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. If you have not done so already, make sure that you like. I I think I think I'm supposed to say smash that subscribe button or like like (laughs) like mash it or jump on it. I'm supposed to do some sort of action verb with the subscribe button. It's not so much you're supposed to like click it cuz it's not strong enough. So I think it's like a like a hump that like or no that's for the hump day hotline. Yeah, that's Wednesday, but we can say it. There's some sort of strong <laughs> action verb I'm supposed to be using. So whatever that is, hit me in the comments, let me know what like it's like smash that subscribe or like mash that subscribe or there's some sort of very strong action verb. My wife watches a lot of YouTube and everyone's always like hit that subscribe button, be part of our growing family. So I don't know, that kind of sounds a little weird to me, but make sure you're doing that stuff. Jay Spence and I are sitting here. We're chatting up something that originally came to us from Pro Football Focus, which was discussing the four top receivers in the NFL. And they listed Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. Jay Spence and I have different views on that. We've been chatting this up and we kind of went down the rabbit hole for Allen Robinson, which led us to James Winston. And here we are. Here we are, Jay Spence. I
1: love these live shows, man. This is what happens.
0: There you go. Suplex Anthony that says, subscribe. Sup-lex.
1: Do there that. we go.
0: Suplex yep. that. That's what Power it is. Suplex the subscribe. subscribe. Power bomb the for the. That's exactly. Right. Uh, Lone Wolf says Bruce needs an avatar. I have an avatar. Yeah, it's the, it's the Bruce exclusive thing. That's my avatar.
1: What are we doing, Lone Wolf? What's up?
0: What I mean, what I mean, you want like a? Do you want like a caricature? Like the two of them <laughs> got because. I, I don't know if I can do that because you know FBI and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, we got to We got we got to figure you out, man. We got to not your identity. I'm saying we got to we got to figure out a way to to make this visible thing great. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. We, we'll figure it out. But moving on, so we're halfway through the show, and 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 what Bruce said, we we just got done going through our list. We had some differences on the list, but early on, I think we both agreed that. It's really splitting hairs here. Me saying Stefan Diggs is at three is not saying I don't want him on my team. I think he's still a very, very great receiver. He's my WR1 for my team, and I am going to draft him in fantasy. I'm going to play with him on Madden. I'm going to – whatever it is. So I'm not – In any way, saying that Stefan Diggs is not elite. He is. I just think that DeAndre Hopkins, if you're gonna split those hairs, DeAndre Hopkins seems to be a step above and uh, Devontae Adams. Bruce has his list, which is, and his reasonings, which is very good. It's always as smart as can be. We're gonna move forward on another topic now because we were, were, again, we were chatting it up earlier and um, Sal Capaccio from uh, WGR tweeted out something in response to someone basically saying like, you know, the bills are signing all these camp bodies. We got these old linemen coming in and they'll probably just get cut and they'll probably do this and they'll probably do that. Right. The thing is, I don't think the bills are just bringing in guys for the sake of bringing in guys. I I really think that with the, with the level of talent that the roster has now and how deep the, the roster is, I think the team is actually looking for competition every time they bring somebody in. Like it's, it's not like, okay, We got our 50, you know, we got our 53. We're just going to keep these guys and then just bring bodies in to cut them anyway. No, I think they're looking like, Hey, if this guy can either elevate the play of the guys that are here, or if this guy is better, let's replace him. What do you, how do you feel about the the whole camp body terminology or that view? um, When you're, when you're talking about the signings.
0: Camp body is a term that is used by fans to dismiss the signing of a talented player or an untalented player that they like or don't like it's a it's a fan construct so when the bills signed Bobby Hart and I was like I don't like that signing like whatever it's a camp body it doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, okay so he's one hammy from being someone who actually might actually have to play and you don't care well it doesn't even matter so that they, they use they dismiss it using the phrase mm-hmm. camp body it doesn't matter he's a camp body why are you all worked up it's a camp body Well, first off, I'm not I'm not worked up, but I think that there are better tackles out there for similar price. So for me, camp bodies is a term that people like to use because we recognize that camp bodies are there. But here's the thing. You don't know what bodies are camp bodies until after the bodies have been cut. Mm -mm. That's when you find out which bodies were actually because by definition, camp body means a body that was only there for camp. But you don't know that. (laughs) You don't know that until the 53 is cut. Do we think Delshawn Phillips was going to make this team last year? Did anybody, if you had Delshawn Phillips making this team, send me your tweet. I'll make sure I retweet it and making sure that, I, you know, you get, you get the pub that you need because nobody had Delshawn Phillips making this team last year.
1: But you never right, know. I, I most certainly didn't. I, I most certainly didn't. When we did our 53 breakdown, when Joe and I did that, I did not have him anywhere near the roster. I, I absolutely thought that the veteran guys that we had, I, I just thought that was it. Um, what do you think about, so the offensive lineman that we were bringing in now, are these guys able, are you, you think these guys are only coming in to compete for line depth? Or you think these guys could actually be trying to, um, you know, compete for a starting position? Nobody thought last year um, that our newly extended, you know, right tackle, we didn't think that he was going to be our starting right tackle and play at that type of level. So so what do you see right now um, with these moves?
0: Okay, so let's start with the tackles. So last year, this is this is LaRaven Clark and Bobby Hart. Okay? And the team last year kept four offensive tackles in 2020. So I haven't gotten word that the Bills have actually signed LaRaven Clark, but they had him in for a visit. Dawkins, Williams, Inseki, and Bates were your four offensive tackles last year. Depending on how you viewed Cody Ford. Right now, the swing tackle for this team is Ryan Bates. Ryan Bates, the guy we swapped with the Philadelphia Eagles at the eve of training camp and somehow made the seventh round pick. That right there is who you're swinging. T- you are one hammy away from Ryan Bates. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. So right now, they could keep Dawkins, Williams, Bates, and Hart. Those could be the four offensive tackles. So don't tell me that Bobby Hart's nothing. And he couldn't even make this team as a camp body because if they don't make an addition in the draft, then he's currently on pace to make this team because they kept four offensive tackles last year. If they keep four again, Bobby Hart would be one of the four. Now, any contributions you get from Trey Adams... A lot of people talk about Trey Adams. Any contributions you get from Trey Adams are a plus. Because Trey Adams, I need you to understand this. Trey Adams was bad. Bad. Mm -hmm. Like really bad in 2019 coming out before this draft. Really bad. Mm -hmm. Now, I know he wasn't healthy, but he wasn't moving, and he was not good. So any contributions you get from him are a plus. I view Trey Adams the way I view Christian Wade. Any contributions Mm -hmm. you get from him are a plus, but I'm not counting on it. I'm not wow. counting on it. I'm not banking on any contributions. If I get them, so be it. But so I'm not, not going to go I'm, in assuming he's going to beat out a veteran.
1: I'm sorry to cut you off there. So am I am I um just in too deep thinking that maybe they really do have a – d cause my hope last year, I actually thought he was gonna make the final roster and I thought he was gonna um like I really was hoping that he could work his way into that rotation before we had Williams. You know, I I was I had questions about that right tackle position. So I'm like, man, I hope. It, nothing that you don't think that um, it's it's possible that they're developing this kid.
0: I think it's absolutely possible they're developing this kid because it's somebody who they, at one point in his career has flash talent, but he flashed it situationally and then never flashed it again. So we don't know as onlookers because we didn't get a chance to see him in preseason at all. But we didn't know whether or not that was really you know he thought maybe he was a first round pick you know, two years ago, and then all of a sudden he's not anymore. So we don't know as onlookers if that's something where he peaked early or if he just flashed a little bit and he just never flashed again because he hasn't shown sustained levels of really good play. He just showed moments of really good play. And then we expected coming into his final college year, he was on the watch lists of, hey, Trey Adams is a guy to watch. And then he absolutely tanked. His last year. And now yeah. again, injuries were a part of, him, but he wasn't moving. Right. He wasn't playing. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. He's a developmental prospect, but you can't really count on ever seeing that again. If you do great, but it's now we're going on three years since we saw decent play from Trey
1: Adams. Okay. That's how long it's okay. been.
0: And so I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm just not willing to count on it.
1: Just hurt my feelings. It's okay. Just, <laughs> just break my heart. Just rip it out. Throw it on the ground. It's all good all good. I don't want to um, change topics and or I don't want to, you know, but Joshua has a pretty good question that I want to ask you. And I know we talk a lot about the draft. We're going to get right back to the topic that we were on. But um, Joshua says, you know, great show to us. What, if any, splash move can you see Bean making in the first round? Is there anyone in the draft you think is worth going after that could really help us take the next step? I know everybody knows at this point that Bruce is not on board with a running back in first round. What what is a what would you consider a splash pick to immediately help out this team?
0: I'll level with you. There's nothing that Brandon Bean could do in the first round aside from trading up a crazy amount that would surprise mm-hmm. me at this point. If he picked a running back at thirty, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I see it, I, I understand. Like, I'm not going to think it's good value. We've already established that, right, but right. I wouldn't be shocked by that. If he were to take an edge, like say Quitty Payfalls or Azizo Jolari falls, you know someone like that. Uh, Jalen Phillips is a popular faller because of the medical issues. If you have someone like that fall and they pick him, I wouldn't be shocked. If Caleb Farley falls due to medical and they picked him as a CB2 out of Virginia Tech, then I wouldn't be surprised by that either. The only thing that would shock me from Brandon Bean is trading up significantly because I would view that as recklessness. I wouldn't view that as aggression. So I think Kyle Pitts is going to be gone no later than six, Anthony. So I don't know if trading up for Kyle Pitts is even going to be a thing. I, I personally, I think he's going four to Atlanta, but I don't think he gets past six at Miami. So for me, you don't even have enough assets mm-hmm. to get that high. I mean, you got You got to pull Ricky Williams and Mike Ditka and trade your whole draft and then some of next years to get up there. But for me, the number one thing that I can see that would shock me would be being trading up. That would be the number one thing that would shock me. I think.
1: Well, I'm sure you remember my emotional um, rant that I had last week when I had Sterling and uh, Dave from uh, built in Buffalo on the show. And I understand that it probably would be a reckless move, which is why I am a content creator here on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. And I am not a general manager of a football team, but I I just I feel like when you're at this level good teams draft late so you're not going to get the same caliber or quality of players at 30 31 32 as you're going to get in the top five obviously that's an obvious statement the thing is if we're this close I feel like at 30 I don't personally but I'm also not a draft expert I don't personally see anything that change that moves the needle enough for me in the draft to say hey now we're ready to go up against the Chiefs and just and dominate them the way they did us. I don't see that. Um, as far as talent for me, if you're going offensively, I think moving up would be that. Um, but I don't think I don't think that's going to happen.
0: I don't think so either. I think that I'll tell you one thing that wouldn't shock me. That might shock a lot of Bills fans. They should probably prepare for it. Is if they t- they took a wide receiver at thirty. I don't think <laughs> you should be I don't think you should be surprised if Brandon Bean does that. Because now that would be shocking to me. It wouldn't shock me, and I'll tell you why. Cole Beasley's going to be 33 coming off a broken leg. Emmanuel Sanders is 34 on a one-year deal. If if Cole Beasley keeps up his reasonable play or starts to tail off a little bit, Emmanuel Sanders has a one-year deal. Let's assume for a second that Gabriel Davis doesn't take the next step, which we all assume he's going to. I hate that. I hate when we assume improvement. We should hope for improvement, but we should never assume it. You shouldn't assume Gabriel Davis is going to end up being wide receiver for two for this team. He might, and that'd be great. But if he doesn't, this team could go from a 10 and 11 personnel team that's fully stocked to a 10 and 11 personnel team that doesn't have enough wide receivers real fast. Mm-hmm. Real fast. That's what happened to the, that's what happened to the chiefs. They thought they were in a position to be a little cute at 32, and they took Clyde Edwards Alaire. And now, they are missing wide receivers and they're missing tackles. Yeah. And there were a, a, a bunch of good players that got taken right after they picked at 32. That really would have helped them out this year. If they would have taken T Higgins at 32, they would have been a lot better off. Cincinnati is really happy with their pick of T Higgins. <laughs> I'd say, and, I'd say they are. <laughs> you know, it is what it is.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. What about Grant and saying trade up for uh Rashawn Slater?
0: I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to last long enough. Yeah. I I don't I don't think he will last long enough I, there's lots of NFL teams that think that Rashawn Slater is actually uh, offensive tackle one he's mm-hmm. over Penny Sewell um I disagree with this Penny Sewell is a is a special movement athlete and I like Rashawn Slater I like him a lot um but there's there's some people who think he's a guard so hmm. but I think that Rashawn Slater is gonna go in I'd be shocked if he last past 15 and I don't think I don't think bean has the ammo if there was a trade-up, I think it would be a trade-up into the mid-20s for the right guy. Vinny T talked about it here. I can see Bean training up maybe early mid-20s for the right guy. I agree with you, Vinny. I just don't think when you look at the assets that Bean has, I don't think he's got enough to get high enough for some of these other people.
1: To your point um, about the wide receiver, though, um, there's a comment here from Spin that says people assumed Robert Foster Mm. would take the the next step for wide receiver one and look at what happened to him. I posted the the video um, not too long ago where everybody was so excited and everybody thought he was really going to be that guy. Even if not, you know, our number one guy, we thought we could bring in more talent and he could like two, you know, like we, we got talent. If, if he's our second guy, then we're good. You know, just didn't happen. I am grateful that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott recognize that when we were questioning them you know it's like everybody's like what you're getting rid of Foster he was the only one we and and now you see where we are thank you so much Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott um follow-up question though about the wide receiver and then we can move on now what are your thoughts about Isaiah Hodgins though because there were a lot of people last year when he was drafted and um everybody some people thought that he was actually a better prospect than than Davis and if he is a better prospect than Davis, we had a, a, a wide receiver on injury reserve all, all year that we didn't even really get to see. And I, I think he's talented. You, you look at his college film. That guy catches everything that's thrown his way. Everything.
0: So, hi, it me. I'm one of the guys who had Isaiah Hodgins rated higher than Gabriel Davis. <laughs> I was one of those guys who had him rated higher. Um, it, was, it was close, but I actually had Isaiah Hodgins rate, rated higher than, than Gabriel Davis. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is a big slot player. He's a big slot player. That's what he is, in my opinion. I think he's a, I think he's a David Nelson-like player. Okay. He's someone who can... I worry about him and his ability to get off press, which is one of the things that confines him to the slot. I really think that he's someone who can give you a specialty kind of skill set in the slot, like you said, gives you great hands. I mean, one of the best sets of hands in the entire class last year. But... I think he's a specialty piece. I don't think he's a significant wide receiver two contributor wide receiver one contributor. He's a big slot. He's a specialty player that you can roll out against specific defenses that have issues with size in the slot. And you can have him make contested catches and back shoulder throws off of a slot fade and things like wheels and things like that. And I think that I don't think he's a replacement for Cole Beasley by any means. They're very, very different players. They're very, very, very different players. Um, but Hodgins, Richard Russ says Hodgins had the best hands in the draft. I, I, I agree with that. At least tied for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. He he was, he was nice man in, in college. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, on this team, but to your point, if they draft a, a wide receiver at 30 first, who, who would you, th- this wide receiver room we have is pretty awesome, man. Like who, who would you think would be the first guy out? That's tough. Duke Williams. Well, true, but he wasn't, to me, he wasn't, I'm looking at the 53 that we had. Now you replaced John Isaiah Brown. McKenzie. Which... Okay.
0: I mean, think about it this way. So last year we kept Isaiah McKenzie and Andre Roberts. One of those people didn't contribute on offense basically at all was Andre Roberts. So mm-hmm. what if you get a wide receiver who gives you Andre Roberts stuff right, as an ability in the return game, but also can contribute on offense. I know for a fact the Bills can find room for him. I know that because they found room for Andre Roberts last year as a wide receiver. Right. So what if right. you get Elijah Moore at 30? Elijah Moore can be your developmental slot guy behind Cole Beasley. He can give you all of the gadget stuff that Isaiah McKenzie gives you with higher upside as an actual receiver.
1: Okay, I'm with it. I'm I'm with it. My man, Steve, Lynn says, uh, I always say the name wrong. Is it Kumaro? I yeah, don't want to say Kumaro. Right. Okay. Kumaro may even be better than Hodges. Now we got to see him for a game, I believe. And then he went to green Bay and eventually made his way back to us. Um, what are your thoughts on him? I thought he looked good the game that we saw him, but I don't, I don't know enough about him for me to, to agree or disagree with this statement from Steve.
0: Right now. I think he's projected to make the 53 man roster because of his contributes contributions on special teams right okay. now. I, he would be my final spot on the wide receiver room but we haven't added anybody yet, but if we don't add anybody to the wide receiver room, then I think Kumaro is probably the last man standing when it comes to making the team, because he can give you the gunner ability.
1: ability. Uh, Grant asked, what do we do with McKenzie trade? Um, or what do we do with McKenzie? Yeah. That, that, and that's what we were just talking about. Grant. I think um, if he is the one to go, that would hurt a lot of bills fans that would hurt me. It would hurt brother bill. I know for sure. Uh, I, I don't know, Bruce. I don't know. I, Obviously, we get these we get these emotional attachments to these players because, like now, I'm thinking about it, it's like, dang, if we draft somebody at 30, that means I already lost Andre Roberts. Like, the hell, I already lost Andre Roberts. I don't want to lose Isaiah McKenzie. I don't want to, but then at the same time, we're getting better, so I don't I don't want to um, be so emotionally attached to these guys that you know we can't improve. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. it's it's actually exciting now that we really don't know what the heck the Bills are going to do.
0: It is, and the draft is cr- like Christmas for me. Anyone who knows me, anyone who's listened to the mm-hmm. Bruce exclusive before, the draft is like Christmas for me. I love the draft. The draft is because two of my great loves are college football and pro football. And for one weekend, the two of them converge into this Power Ranger Megazord-like being that destroys my world for three straight days, and I actually suffer through, like, post-draft depression like when it's over I actually get sad the way my wife gets sad when Christmas is over like that's the way that I feel when the draft is over and so for me it gets more exciting when you go in with a good team I never got excited about having a top five pick I never got excited because the mantle of expectation gets thrust on these top five players and if they bust out you set your franchise back again because you had this huge opportunity and you swung and missed. You know, if you look at that that 2013 draft, you know, in 2011 draft, Marcel Darius had some good years with the Bills. Mm-hmm. But if you look at all the players that were drafted around him, all of them ended up being better. And then if you look at the, aside from Blaine Gabbard, <laughs> but if you look <laughs> at the 2013 draft and EJ Manuel and you think, gosh, mm-hmm. goodness gracious, the things... That I want to happen. I don't have to feel as strongly about. Steve says Bruce may finally get his wish and the Bills draft a cornerback at 30. Maybe from your lips to God's ears, Steve, because (laughs) I've been pounding the table for that. The entire last year, when when it got to the point where the Bills were picking, goodness, what were the Bills picking? 54 last year? Is that what the Bills were picking in the second round? And we were getting closer. We were getting closer and closer, and closer, and I was thinking to myself, wow, the Bills are going to have some really good ability here to be able to pick up an impact playmaker. I really think that's going to happen. I'm like, okay, here we go, and then all of a sudden, it gets closer and closer, and Christian Fulton's still there, and I tweet out in all caps, for the love of all that is holy and sacred, bring me (laughs) Christian Fulton, the corner from LSU, and then they pick, AJ and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. And then the next round, I'm like, okay, now you're going to give me a corner and nothing. And it was just like getting repeatedly shot down by your girl over and over and over and over and over again until eventually the seventh, they give me Dane Jackson and I almost feel insulted at that point. I'm like, you got me another four, six scrappy corner who likes to tackle and is super aggressive in zone coverage coming forward. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm literally going to go cry in my pillow now, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. We'll see.
1: Well, you know what? I I um I, I have been critical of Levi Wallace. He has improved. Last year, he he started off rough. He had some moments, but he he did improve. He got better. Made some big plays for us down the stretch. You know, playoffs and all that. He made some great plays. I would absolutely love for us to be able to upgrade CB two. I'm with you, Bruce. I'm with you one hundred percent.
0: And my man Brian, he's
1: with you too. He says, man, we've needed, we've needed a CB2 ever since the end of 2017. They must address the CB2 position.
0: I love you, Brian. I'll send you your $20 in the mail.
1: <laughs> Lone Wolf says the team would be nuts to give a third round pick for McKenzie. Oh, this must be a... A comment that's or you know you guys are having fun in the comments here i love it when you guys interact with each other in the comments i love it when you interact with us do us a favor hit subscribe hump that like smash that like or whatever you want us to say today just do what you do to that like and subscribe uh bruce we got we got about 10 minutes here um you want to take a couple questions from from the audience or do you want to kind of Yeah, let's do it why not okay so do us do us a favor here let's shoot some uh shoot me and bruce a couple questions here we got 10 minutes to to take some direct questions from you guys. We got my man, Grant Turner again, busy. He says, uh, are we looking to upgrade over Tehran as well? Or also we what should think be. about that. Yeah, I do too. We
0: should be. Uh, I think that, okay, you're going to have to forgive me. Those of you in the comments, right? This is what Jay Spence was talking about. This is about the emotional attachment. Taron Johnson had two really significant pick sixes later in the year. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we've forgotten very, very reasonably we've forgotten that not only was Taron Johnson not playing well in coverage overall, he plays well against the run, but he got benched for the Chiefs game. He got benched, and who knows how long he would have been benched had the guy who came in for him not gotten injured very early on. So if we're not looking to upgrade Taron Johnson, we should be. Nickel corner is a starter, period. Nickel corner is a starter. So if you can find me, someone who can come down, and cover from the slot or a third safety that would allow Micah Hyde to come down or Jordan Poyer to come down. I'd be okay with that. So you can address the nickel by drafting a nickel, or you can address the, address the nickel in a different way by drafting a safety and going three safety looks and allowing Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde to come down and then still have Terry Johnson for the smaller, quicker slot receivers. Either way you could do that and get a better production from your nickel defense than if you just left it the same. So if we're not, we should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, our guy Lone Wolf again says, how long do you think it'd be before, uh, in the draft w- before we address the guard position? I know we just got done talking about offensive line with the draft. What do you, do you think we address guard?
0: I would love to see us address interior offensive line in the first three rounds. I would love it because it's a little bit like the wide receiver discussion. So one of the things that I talked to you guys about a couple of times on my pod that I mentioned again tonight is that this team is very, very close to needing wide receivers. Right? We, we, they don't necessarily need them right now, but we don't look at right now. We look at how close, how close to the precipice are we for this team needing wide receivers? And the answer is there's a very reasonable chance next year we need two or three, depending on how Gabriel Davis moves forward. So we should draft a receiver. Now, the same thing goes with interior offensive line. John Feliciano is okay. He's okay. He's a fine player. Cody Ford has literally never played well at a sustained rate in the NFL, ever. He didn't play well sustainably at right tackle. Then he finally got over to guard and he was a little bit better, but inconsistent. And then he got hurt. We have never seen sustained good play from Cody Ford ever. John Feliciano is just okay, and Mitch Morse is one concussion away from calling it a day.
1: So, dude, I was so I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> th-
0: th- in the same way with wide receiver, the Bills.